ladies and gentlemen, welcome back in to the Lunch Table Kings podcast. I'm your host, Max Holtzclaw, and it is currently week 10 in the regular season. Things are starting to heat up. Matchups are coming down to the wire. We got standings coming down to the wire. We're getting real close to that home stretch before the playoffs are right around the corner. So without further ado, we're going to take a look into the week 9 recap before diving into the week 10 preview. Let's get started. So, as always, we're going to take a look into what happened in the previous week. Week 9 was overall a down-scoring week, with the highest-scoring team on the week being Zach at 159.8 points. We had six teams that hit 122.8 or below, with Zach being the only team that hit around our average or above average. The next highest was Bailey at 132.6, which in this league, would probably be right below average. So we're going to take a look into the highest scoring team being Zach and how he did in his matchup against Chet. As I said, Zach won at a score of 159.8 compared to 109.8. So a 50-point win for Zach this week. He was led by way of Nick Chubb at 30.3 points, and he had a pair of receivers come in with 22 points each with Keenan Allen against Philly and Devontae Smith in the same game against the Chargers. And then Dak Prescott came back with a solid 21.8 outing against the Broncos in a terrible game where garbage time really helped make sure Zach was the highest scoring team on the week. Zach did have a couple single-digit performances from his two tight ends being Mark Andrews and Mike Kosicki, but overall a solid week where most of his players performed above or right around expectations. Chet, on the other hand, was really let down in some departments being Patrick Mahomes only getting 12.4 points and C.D. Lamb only getting 4.3. So Dak was able to get the garbage time work, but C.D. Lamb was unable to. Mike Williams still on his struggle with only 7.8 points, although that would be a little bit of an improvement from previous weeks. But Chet did have some good performances from Darren Waller, who hit a brown his expectation, and then Najee Harris slightly below expectation. But at 16.8 points, that was his highest scoring player on the week. So this moves Chet to 4-5. and five. And now in last in his division after the streak that Russell has been on. And Zach is alone at the top at 6-3. The next highest scoring team is Bailey at 132.6. The only other team to hit above the 122 mark. And Bailey was able to beat Drew who came in at 94 points. Bailey was led with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert getting back on track after a couple of rough games being... 15.7, 12 points the past two games for him. He was able to get 35.6 against the Philly defense. Bailey was also able to get some decent performances from Cordero Patterson at 19.6, Justin Jefferson with 17 points, and Travis Kelsey at 17.8, getting it right around his average or right around his projection. However, there was a bit of a letdown. Chase Edmonds got hurt early on in the game, only getting 0.3 points. Rondell Moore only got about 7.5. And and then Daryl Henderson, in his little run of bad defenses, was not able to come through with only 8.8 points. In fact, Daryl Henderson, in his past three weeks, has only had one decent or good performance at 22.3 against the Houston defense, but was only able to get 9.4 against Detroit and 8.8 against Tennessee. On Drew's side of the ball, he was led with a strong performance from Lamar Jackson at 34.6. That comeback victory for the Ravens over the Minnesota Vikings 
And then George Kittle had a solid performance coming back and getting 20.1 points for him. However, every other player on Drew's team only managed to get single-digit points with a real letdown coming from Darius Johnson at 1.6, for example. Cortland Sutton also getting 3.9 was a big, a big letdown. And then another of number of performances, Zach Moss, David Johnson, Julio Jones, DJ Moore, and Chase Claypool all getting below 8 points as well. The third highest scoring team on the week would go to Russell at 122.8. And he was able to beat Brandon at 97 points even. Russell has rattled off four wins in a row now and is sitting at four and five after this victory. He was led with the play of Joe Mixon getting 28 points against that Cleveland defense and another terrible performance, but garbage time really helped out once again. Joe Mixon in a bit of a good run here, getting 28, 25.1, 11.9, and 26.3 points in his last four outings. Another strong performance came out of Marquise Brown at 20.6 and Alvin Kamara at 20.4 points. Russell did have some struggles. Josh Allen, I guess that Jacksonville defense, only had 7.4 points in a real weird game overall. Marvin Jones had 5.1 in that same game. Zach Gers with 5.7. And Jeremy, McNich- Jeremy McNichols making his kind of debut in what could be the main running back role. Only managed 6.5 points. On Brandon's side of the ball, he was led with a huge performance from Jonathan Taylor, 34 points for JT. But other than that, it was a bit of a sh- sharp decline overall. Debo Samuel was the next highest scorer at 11.3 points, and that's slightly below his projection going into the week. Brandon had some rough outings overall. Joe Burrow with 5.3, Aaron Jones with 5.3, and then Amari Cooper at 5.7. So he'll look to right the ship in week 10 going up against myself. And then the final match of the week, we had what was the closest matchup of the week, myself against Connor, and I was able to get the victory at 118.6 compared to Connor's 103.3. I was led by the Monday night pickup of Ben Roethlisberger with 20.2 points at the QB spot. Other than that, it was overall just a mediocre week from a lot of the players. Dalvin Cook. Only got 15.2, slightly below what you were expecting. Stephon Diggs at 14.5. T. Higgins at 13.8. And Josh Jacobs at 13.5. My lowest point scorer was Tyreek Hill at 7.3, well below his projection. And then Tyler Conklin at the tight end spot at 9.5. On Connor's side of the ball, he was led with Cooper Cup once again at 20.5 points and Michael Pittman Jr. at 17.4 from that Thursday night matchup. After that, there was... Some big declines overall. Derek Carr got about 10 points below expectations with only 10.3. Kenneth Gainwell at 6.3 points was not a huge help. Adam Thielen was able to get a touchdown but still only managed 8.6 points as well. And then Adrian Peterson in his debut with the Titans only got 9.6 points. So this moves Connor to 5-4 and four and myself to 6-3 and three on the season. So taking a look at how the league has shaken up with nine weeks down and five to go before the playoffs, we have our two divisions being the studs and the pros. And starting in the studs division, we have myself alone at the top at six and three. Bailey and Brandon are right behind me at five and four. And then Drew is at the bottom at one and eight in this division. In the pros division, truly up for grabs for anyone. Zach is alone at the top at six and three. 
Connor right behind him at five and four. And then Russell and Chet are right behind him at four and five. Russell on a huge four-game winning streak, taking his way up to playoff contention once again. And Zach himself on a three-game winning streak, able to get up to the number one spot in his division. Taking a look at the most points scored now, it is still Connor at the top at 1462. And then the next closest team behind him is Brandon at 1317, followed closely by Zach at 1311, and then Bailey at 1310.9, myself at 1291, Russell at 1283, Chet at 1229.4, and then Drew at 1040.6. So that is how our standings are shaping up nine weeks down, five weeks to go before the playoffs take place. So now we're going to dive into the Week 10 preview. And every team across the board is going to be hoping for a much better scoring week than last week and even the week before, with these past two weeks being a bit of questionable weeks and some lower scoring games. So we're going to take a look at the marquee matchup of the week, in my opinion, and that would be myself going up against Brandon. 6-3 against 5-4 in the same division. Can make it an even tighter race or add a little bit of distance between the two going forward. And we're going to start with my team, and we're going to highlight Tyreek Hill to start, going up against that Vegas defense. These Chiefs and Raiders games have been very close and very fun games to watch over the past couple years. I know last year, for example, it came down to a last-minute touchdown to Travis Kelsey in the back of the end zone in a high-scoring affair. And really, you're hoping for another higher-scoring game between these two teams, as both teams aren't the best defensively. Tyreek currently the second best receiver on the season. So it should be a fun game and hopefully a big game for Tyreek. The next player to take a look at is Deontay Johnson going up against that Detroit defense. Deontay Johnson, when he's been healthy, has received a high target share. Only two games below 10 targets this season with last week when he still caught five balls. And then week five where he only caught two of them on two targets but still wound up with a touchdown. He's yet to score under 11.7 points in this league. Really been a solid staple in this lineup. So it will be interesting to see just what happens in a game where they should have a positive game script against the Detroit Lions. And then the final name to bring up is Terry McLaurin going up against that Tampa Bay defense. Terry McLaurin has had an up-and-down season, given the fact that he's had Taylor Heineke throwing in the ball. The past three out of four weeks have been rough for him, scoring under 10 points in three out of those four. He does have the Buccaneers defense, and the Buccaneers pass defense is rough to say the least. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and see how that game goes, especially given the fact that they have a strong pass rush and could really put Heineke under pressure. And then one other name to take a look at is Kyler Murray is in my lineup as of right now. He does carry that questionable tag going up against that Carolina defense, and a lot of reports are indicating that he might not play on Sunday once again. If that's the case, look for the pivot to be with Carson Wentz against that Jacksonville defense. On Brandon's side of the ball, we're going to highlight Russell Wilson. Back from his IR stint, he's going up against that Green Bay defense, and Green Bay should have Aaron Rodgers back as well, which means we could be in for a shootout of a game. If that's the case, Russell Wilson could be in for a huge game as well. The next thing to bring up is Jonathan Taylor going up against that Jacksonville defense. Jonathan Taylor is looking to be the best running back since 
Derrick Henry is out. He's currently the second best running back in fantasy. And in the past six weeks has not scored less than 18 points in any single outing. Jonathan Taylor getting the bulk of the carries and has scored at least one touchdown in these past six weeks as well. So he'll look to continue that run against a weak Jacksonville defense and in a team where the Colts really want to establish the run. And then the final name to kind of bring up, I want to see what's going to go on with Debo Samuel against the LA Rams on Monday night. Debo has had a very good year, number four receiver on the season. However, the Rams have a really good pass defense, and so I'm curious to see just what's going to happen if Garoppolo is going to be able to get the ball off under pressure or what's going to go on if Debo gets like a shadow coverage of Jalen Ramsey of some kind. Last week was a rougher week for Debo Samuel, but he still was able to manage 11.3 points. That is his second worst outing on the year compared to week three where he got 10.2. So we'll see what happens and what kind of work Debo can get. And one other thing to take note of is that Robert Woods, as of this recording, just tore his ACL about an hour ago. And right now, Brandon still does have him in his lineup. So if he's going to, I'm assuming he's going to manage that. And I would assume by doing so, it'll probably be Jacoby Myers or Daryl Williams on his bench, or we might see a wave wire pickup that's not currently on his team right now. The next matchup to take a look at is going to be Bailey versus Zach. Bailey's second, or at a tie for second in his division. Zach alone at the top at his division. Taking a look over at Zach's team, he once again has a lineup that is not fully complete, as he usually makes changes on Sunday morning. However, one thing to take note of, he does have Nick Chubb and Damien Harris in his lineup. Both are projected to be out, or Damien Harris at least highly questionable. If that's the case, Zach only has one active running back that he could put, or one real running back to put in to replace them, with the other one possibly being Tevin Coleman. So look for James Conner to sub in for at least Nick Chubb and then possibly Tevin Coleman for Damien Harris. But outside of that, a couple of other names to take a look at. I want to see what Keenan Allen does against that Minnesota defense. Keenan coming off one of his better games of the season, getting 22.4 points. In fact, that is his best game of the season, but only two touchdowns on the year. We'll see if he improves on that performance. And then I want to see what Hunter Renfro does against the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Hunter Renfro, again, that same game I talked about with Tyreek Hill, has been very good, especially once Henry Ruggs has been out of the team. He put up his second-best performance last week with 17.9 points. So look to see what Hunter Renfro can do. I did forget to mention, but Zach did have three players play on Thursday night, so he is off to 23.8 points. However, Miles Gaskin at 5.5, Mike Kosicki with 0 points, are real detriments to his team. And then Mark Andrews was able to get a touchdown, come up with 18.3 points. And also with Zach's team, I am expecting him to make some lineup changes, as he does. Uh, Most likely, DK Metcalf and Mike Evans could enter his lineup, uh, I would imagine at least. On Bailey's side of the ball, he had 14 points from Rashad Bateman on Thursday night. So a solid outing from a waiver wire pickup to start the week. Bailey's with some injury woes with Chase Edmonds and Antonio Brown on his bench. And then, of course, Calvin Ridley stepping away from the game. So Bailey is starting at the flex spot, Russell Gage. And Russell Gage is an interesting player to take note of. Once again, with Calvin Ridley out, you'd expect a high target share of some kind or some more work. But 
that first game that Ridley was out, he received no targets and no catches against Carolina. And then he came out and had seven catches for on eight targets against the Saints uh, last week. So I'm curious to see what Russell Gage will do against Dallas this week. Another name to take note of is Daryl Henderson once again. Monday night matchup against the Niners. Currently RB12 on the season, but three, two out of his three weeks, excuse me, past three weeks have been under 10-point performances. So we'll see just what we can get from Daryl Henderson. And the last name to take note of is Tyler Lockett against Green Bay. Tyler Lockett gets Russell Wilson back, and that connection they have is immaculate. So really, I'm expecting a really good game for Tyler Lockett, although he is coming off of one of his best games of the season at 26.2 points. That was with Geno Smith. So we'll see what we get from Tyler Lockett. Overall, I expect a Bailey dub just because Zach is off to a rough start with a combined 23 points on three players. And then once again, I'm expecting him to have to start Tevin Coleman over Damian Harris and Nick Chubb. The third matchup to take note of is Connor against Russell. Russell riding his four-game winning streak. And Russell's off to a 9.7 head start on the week. All of that coming from Hollywood Brown. A couple other players to take note of on Russell's team. He will have Josh Allen going up against that New York Jets team. Josh Allen had a stinker of a performance against the Jaguars. Should look to right the ship. And I expect to come out with a big game against the Jets just to show that it was a bit of a fluky game. Another thing is that Russell does have his injury woes. He's going to be without Alvin Kamara, possibly without DeAndre Hopkins, possibly without Chris Godwin. If that's the case, he will probably have to move Marvin Jones up from the flex spot into one of his receiver spots of DeAndre or Godwin, and then put in a tight end. And then he'll have to make a waiver wire pickup most likely as well in order to full a complete lineup. But other names to take note of is Jerry McNichols as well. I want to see what he does against that New Orleans Saints defense. New Orleans, a great run defense, but McNichols, very active in the catching game. And then I want to see what Melvin Gordon does against that Philly defense. Philly has one of the worst run defenses. And so Melvin Gordon is riding a high coming off of two straight games with a touchdown. We'll see what he does against a really bad Philly run defense. On Connor's side of the ball, it's going to be led with Tom Brady against that Washington defense. One of the worst pass defenses is Washington this season after being a great defense last year. And Tom Brady is currently the number one quarterback on the season. He could be without Chris Godwin, like I said, and without Antonio Brown, definitely. So we'll see just how the passing game looks with Mike Evans, Tyler Johnson, and a hodgepodge of tight ends of Cameron Bray and so forth on that team. Another name to take note of is Cooper Cup against the San Francisco defense. Uh, the Rams are one of the best teams in the league. Cooper Cup, the best receiver in fantasy. And Robert Woods just losing out for the season. We'll see how that offense looks with Odell in tow and with Cooper Cup possibly even receiving a higher target share if that is possible. And then one last player to take note of is I want to see what Kyle Pitts will do against the Dallas defense. Kyle Pitts currently the tight end seven on the season, coming off of a couple of rough outings without Calvin Ridley, 3.3 and 9.2, with no Calvin Ridley out there. So we'll see if when the defense focuses on Kyle Pitts, if he can actually get loose and make some catches, or if he just has to have an, another top-tier receiver in order to take the pressure off of him. 
So it should be a good matchup. I do expect Connor to come away with it as well with some major injury woes on Russell's side. So Russell could finally be cooled off after his four-game win streak. And then the final matchup to take note of is Drew against Chet. Drew off to a 16.3 head start. Chet with no one. Drew all those points coming from Lamar Jackson. So taking a look over at Drew's team, he has the running backs of Zach Moss, Mark Ingram, and Dearness Johnson. The Randry replacement running backs, if you will, except for Zach Moss, who is the ordinary starter. Mark Ingram will get the start against Tennessee as Alvin Kamara is out on Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see what Mark Ingram can do in that full workhorse role. Once again, back with the uh, Saints, excuse me, after being with the Texans for the beginning part of the season. Dearness Johnson has been good when he's been given the role. Obviously, a couple weeks ago against Cincinnati, he came out and put up 24, or against Denver, excuse me, put up again 24.8 points in that outing. So we'll look to see if he can continue a strong run as being the number one running back when he goes up against that New England defense. And then, like I said, Zach Moss is playing the New York Jets, a really bad run defense. However, Zach Moss was injured for most of the week, was able to clear concussion protocol, and should be playing against the Jets. So we'll see just what happens, how much of a workload he really gets against that team. And then one other thing to take note of, I want to see what Antonio Gibson does in his fuck spot against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like I said, the Buccaneers have a rough run defense, a rough run defense to go up against, that is, and a easy pass defense. So we'll see if Gibson can get any passing work, and if he does, he should be in for a decent game. On Chet's side of the ball, we're going to take a look once again into that Kansas City-Vegas matchup with Pat Mahomes. I want to see if Pat Mahomes can right the ship, currently the sixth best quarterback, and coming off of three rough outings in a row for him, with 12.4 last week, 15 the previous week, and then 6.7 against Tennessee in week seven. We'll see just if he can ride the ship against the divisional opponent of the Las Vegas Raiders. Another name to take note of is McCaffrey is fully back. He will have a backup quarterback as his quarterback against the Arizona defense, and Arizona's got a good defense this year. So we'll see if McCaffrey can take over or if it's going to be a rough game for the Panthers overall. And then the last name to take note of, I want to see what Mike Williams would do against that Minnesota defense. Mike Williams is still the 16th best receiver in fantasy, but has scored under 10 points in his last three outings and four of the past five. So we'll see if Mike Williams can finally right that ship against the Minnesota defense. Should be a good matchup in this one. Looking forward to seeing all these matchups this week. And that'll take us through week 10, heading into the home stretch of the fantasy regular season. So that'll wrap up the week 10 edition of the Lunch Table Kings podcast. I want to thank you all for once again tuning in to the show and listening each and every week. I'll be back at the end of the week to bring you the week 10 recap before previewing week 11 as we enter the home stretch of the fantasy regular season. <laughs>